back to Hip Hop with Pop. My name's Rashad. And I'm Pop. Uh, we just wanted to thank you guys for dropping by and uh, participating in this little conversation that we have. My dad and I are just kind of chopping it up about uh, the music and artists that we both have come to love over the years, and we thank you for being a part of it. This episode of Hip Hop with Pop is brought to you by 314 City Gear. 314 City Gear is proud of its hometown and is committed to giving back. As such, 3.14% of our sales will be donated quarterly to a different charity serving the St. Louis area. Please be sure to drop by our website for more information on the amazing organizations we are partnering with and plan to support. Please consider joining us in our support of these organizations. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up on all the new products and offers. 314 City Gear. Rep the 314. Hi, this is Leah and Liz of MP Home Co. specializing in interior decorating, organization, and other home design improvements. We can refresh the look of your home by creating a newly designed personal and functional space that is a reflection of your style. We also provide home staging to maximize the sales price of your home. We're based in Kirkwood but serve the greater St. Louis area and would love to work with you on your next home improvement project. With MP Home Co., you'll get functional, livable design. We have an exciting project happening right now that you can follow on our blog. We're flipping a local fixer-upper. Visit our website, mphomeco.com, or follow us at MP Home Co. on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Mention this ad for 10% off any service. All right, well, with that being said, Dad, uh, today I'm going to introduce you to um, MC named Rockham. Um, mm-hmm. He was born William Michael Griffin Jr. Okay. Uh, January 28th, 1968 in New York yet again. And uh, he goes by by many names. Uh, Rockham Allah, uh, The God MC, and just The R. So um, hmm. the reason why he has these kinds of nicknames is before him, Rap was a hip. Rap was kind of. Um, it was a little less serious. Uh, it, there was a. I don't. Do you remember? Um, do you remember uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and some of the types mm-hmm, of sure. rhymes that they wrote? The mm-hmm. Fat Boys, kind of the humorous, mm-hmm. uh, light-hearted, funny, ha-ha raps that they and well, they were used to. They used to make. Um, Rakim was the first guy that would just rap in his normal speaking voice, and mm-hmm. he, he had a lot to say when he did it. Uh, he would he, he, he's highly regarded as one of the greatest MCs of all time. So he's also one of the only guys that put his DJ first uh, in 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 all the in, in the name. So all of his recordings, well, not all of them, but most of his recordings are, are filed under Eric B and Rakim. So you won't you won't find many of these songs under just his name. So I see. Yeah. it's yeah. actually kind of cool to yeah. help his, <clears throat> help him out since. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the first one. Follow the leader. Okay. Dropped in 1988. Okay. 
think about that one lots of lyrics lots of uh, topics covered and uh, a lot of self-assurance and follow the leader uh, some things I didn't fully understand and that right and that's understandable he mentions Eric B in one of the uh, sections there I didn't know what that was all about Eric B on the blaze you know what that has to referring to <coughs> Eric B is uh Eric B. Easy on the flex. Yeah, what is, yeah, he's just talking about himself. Eric B. is the DJ. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, he's the guy who's, um, you know, spinning the record. Spinning the record. Okay, yeah. I got you. Once okay. again, kind of uh, giving him love as the guy who's helping him make the, the music. I see. And he does say something very, very interesting at the very, very end. He says, rap is rhythm and poetry. Yeah. Uh, it is certainly a lot of rap and I'm sorry it's, it's a lot of rhythm and a lot of port poetry uh, and I think that really defines the genre quite well uh, th if things don't rhyme they don't seem to go into the <laughs> into the song yeah and uh, and some good poetry some good uh, some, some some good lyrics uh, that uh, make sense and uh, some that's rather complex as I said before for people who are not part, part of that genre don't understand it as well and uh, but that's a good definition, rhythm and poetry. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think one of the cooler things that he does is he'll take he'll take uh, stanzas uh, the the what he's trying to say, and if it and he'll he'll sometimes wrap the rhyming word around into the next into the next bar. You'll see as you mm -hmm. pay attention all these little clever tricks and things that he does to make to make the rhymes work and to get his point across at the same time. Um, yeah. That's just one of the reasons why I really like this guy so much. Yeah. Uh, given his background, do you hap happen to know who may have influenced him in his uh, writings and his rapping? Uh, <coughs> no, uh, and I think that 
it's understood that he's kind of the first guy to ever rap this way. That's why they call him, you know, that's why he's got the the nicknames that he does. So okay. He's kind of highly regarded as sort of the, one of the godfathers of, of real rap. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, th- I mean, obviously he's influenced by some of the guys that had, had been doing it before, but as far as this particular style, the way he would, the way he rhymes, the way he makes these, his raps, um, pretty much the first one to do it. He's groundbreaking. Okay. okay. I don't know what category you may put this person, but the person I remember way back in, I guess the 1970s, late 70s, maybe early 80s, uh, an artist by the name of M.C. Hammer. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. You remember him? Uh, wh- where does he fit into this genre? Um, that's a great question. He is... I don't know that he is very... Uh, I don't think he's included on anyone's favorite, you know, the top list. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of... Once you cross over into that... Um, well, he was pretty much the first to do it, to cross was, over into He pop. was a dancer as well. Yeah. He danced. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. of an entertainer, I would say. Yeah, okay. So... Um, I don't know that he's taken quite as seriously as he possibly should be taken, um, but you know he 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 became famous for reasons other than his lyrics and um, you know like like the dancing like you you're, like mm-hmm. you said so uh, I, I don't think that he's I don't think he's on anyone's top fifty. Okay, all right, okay, it's kind of interesting. All right. Sorry, Hammer. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, st- I still like him from those old days. So I don't sure, know. Yeah. sure, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. For whatever reason, he's just not uh, probably not on that list. So yeah, yeah. So who who do you have for me? I have a the next artist. Uh, his name is Arthur William Crudup. Okay, we know him as Big Boy Crudup, and uh, he is from an area of. Uh, Mississippi that you would be familiar with, not 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 that you went to the town, but he is from Forest, Mississippi. The Pillahatchee mm-hmm. is a little town of your of my birth and your grandparents. And if you go twelve miles east, you're in Brandon, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You go another twelve miles, you're in Jackson. If you go to the east, uh, you go eight miles. Uh, sorry, yeah, eight miles east, you're in Morton, Mississippi. Another ten miles, you're in Forest, Mississippi. And Forrest is the birthplace of Arthur Big Boy Crudup. And uh, our family, the Myers family, is really a family that uh, has background in the Myerses and the Bennetts. And the Bennetts side of the family married into the Crudup family. Hmm. Uh, my father's first cousin married into the Crudup family and, uh, and moved to, to Forrest and then ultimately to Michigan. But Big Boy Crudup, uh, was uh, born in, in Forest, and he, like so many uh, artists, moved to Chicago and recorded there. And uh, he had a number of hits records. And one of the rec- records was a record that uh, Elvis Presley became impressed with when he, when Elvis was a teenager. And Elvis always said, if I ever became involved in music, I want to give tribute to to this particular artist, and uh, hmm. we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, Big Boy Crudup uh, is uh, is a, a man of, of tre- tremendous talent. Came back to Mississippi from Chicago, and after having 
in essence, sold, uh, lost his uh, royalty, royalty rights to his music, in essence. Uh, he came back to Mississippi, and, and then Mississippi uh, became a very successful bootlegger. Huh. And after that, he also got into business and moved to Virginia and was got, got involved in business of uh, providing uh, migrant workers for people on the farmlands in Florida full of, of picking fruit and so forth. Mm -hmm. So he was a very, very success, successful guy in that regard. And uh, what, made but, him, what made him sell his, uh, his royalties? Uh, for, 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 well, back in those days, the artist didn't make a lot of money on the royalties any, anyway. Okay. I think somebody just gave him a small amount of money and, and, and got him out. But here's an interesting point. Many years later, maybe 20 years later, lawsuits were filed, mm -hmm. and he get, did, did get a settlement that the royalties that he signed away was unfairly done, and he got a one-time payment payment back in the nineteen in nineteen sixties of sixty thousand dollars, which was a lot of money back then. And that yeah. was he was he was bought out basically, and it kind of died away. But he was a very successful bootlegger uh, down in Mississippi. Uh, so that's part of our family bootlegging is part of our, our legacy and mm -hmm. and so forth in Mississippi. But he recorded one big uh, a number of big songs, one of which was called "That's All Right, Mama." Okay. And uh, and that particular recording was heard by Elvis Presley, and Elvis re recorded that and made it a, even a bigger hit. And so that is our connection with Elvis Presley, is that okay. Big Boy Crudup, uh, whom our family, the Ben is married into, uh, made that song, and then uh, Elvis made it more famous. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, let's check it out. Imagine the pride in which uh, people from my area, Forrest and Martin Pilly Hatcher, had mm -hmm. when uh, Elvis Presley recorded that song in the late 50s, and which had uh, been recorded by Big Boy earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so Big Boy, mm -hmm. did he, was, was he in fact a yes, Big Boy? Yes, another Big Boy. Okay. Uh, let me also, I was going to mention that earlier, in terms of uh, the blues artist of the, that time frame. Spent a lot of time uh, talking about size, but the, the, the size was, uh, the physical dimensions of a person was often part of their nickname. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had a list of some of the the, the sizes. Uh, people like Lil Walter we mentioned before. Yeah. Lil Milton, yeah. mentioned him. Lil Jaina Taylor. Uh, Lil Willie John. You will know Willi Lil Willie John by the song Fever. You give me fever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Lil Esther, a lady. And then uh, there were some, also some people had other names, Big Big Joe Turner, Big Jake McNeely, Slim Harpo, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, hmm. and uh, 
a very tall guy. He must have been about six, seven. His name was Pine Top Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, people who had uh, larger dimensions, Fats Domino, mm -hmm. Fats Waller, uh, Big Mama Thornton, yeah. who also uh, had some of her recordings uh, done by uh, Elvis Presley as well. Uh, and Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm -hmm. So the physical dimensions were something just part of the blues genre in terms of size as well. Yeah, but Big it. Boy was a was a big guy and he played guitar. The song that we listened to earlier, he he was playing the guitar on that. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of a, it kind of reminds me of um, several artists come to mind. Um, Little Wayne, first of all. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Little C's, you know. Notorious B.I.G. He was a big guy, um, Big L. I'm not sure if he was tall or not, but there's they do a similar, yeah, um, a similar sort of self naming in in hip hop yeah. as well. Yeah, so, okay, kind um, of interesting. There's a, there's a lot more <coughs> of the Lils, um, little than the bigs, huh? Yeah, yeah. Especially nowadays, it seems like everybody wants to be little something. So yeah, yeah. Um, but if I got about Lil Wayne, that was a Joe. Yeah, Fat Joe. He was a he was a big guy, a really really big guy. <laughs> That's mm. his nickname, his rap name, Fat Joe. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. The big uh, the other little famous little guy was Little Richard. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. 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 Right on. So we're gonna press on here. This one is called Lyrics of Fury, and uh, this one it. I'm glad we have the lyrics here because he just keeps coming at you with different uh, ideas and, and words and mm -hmm. description of how good of a rapper he is and painting pictures. Literally, this is a mural if I've okay. ever seen one. So I'm excited for you to hear this one. I really am. Okay, it's a warning. that one yeah uh, not much of a uh, repetition of what I would call a chorus that we have heard in some of the other other uh, renditions and uh, mm -hmm. songs and uh, he talks about it's a it's a freestyle uh, purified freestyle but I was expecting more of a kind of um, more, more of a theme of that of a chorus and he gets right back into after some music back into more rapping nope yeah. just lyrics of fury just lyrics, <laughs> just lyrics of fury and uh, and he gives us the caution up front, just to be be uh, be warned. Uh, uh, you better avoid and so forth. But indeed, indeed, it is a lot of fury going on there. What do you think is the source? of what's what's that all about? Do you think what was he what's ultimately that? trying to get across? Um, 
I think he's just trying to, well, not trying, but I think he's just bragging on how good he is. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it, the lyrics. Were, I mean, the the song is was a high uh, a pace, mm-hmm. a rapid pace, as opposed to more laid back and so forth. And so, yeah, he was uh, obviously tr- trying to communicate uh, something of importance to him. Obviously, yeah. I think he, you know, this was this was back in '88. Oh, that when early. this came okay. out, and uh, you know, he makes a couple of references. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, walking down Elm Street. Remember the Friday the Thirteenth yeah, movies? Mm-hmm. How insanely popular those were in the eighties. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, I think these are. It's kind of you know a little bit dated, I guess, with that with that mm-hmm. uh, reference. But um, once again, I think this is just a. a just a show of the mastery and like I mean I, I think that you can he puts you right there you tremble like an al- alcoholic muscles tighten up what's that lighten up you, yeah, you know he just he makes you feel like you're in that horror flick you know yeah, like yeah. S- scared to death terrified yeah so it's I think it's definitely done um, on purpose like hey all you other people who are rapping you need to be aware because I'm the top dog and 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 yeah. get back. <laughs> yeah, little Z wants to be a part of the podcast, huh? Oh, well, I don't know. He might want to go out, but right. settle down, settle down. All right, sit down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, we're up to another. Uh, do you want to take a break or to let him out, or do you want to press on and do another one? Well, uh, we we've uh, we've got uh, one or two more. We've got two more, two? don't we? Yeah. I think he. I think he'll be okay. okay. I think he. I'll, I'll watch him. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who do you, who do you have next? The next one is um, an artist. Uh, it's hard to classify him as blues. I don't know what category one would put him into. Uh, his name is Bo Ditley. Okay. And uh, he is also from uh, the area of where we live, within a uh, maybe 35, 40 miles of where I grew up. He's from Macomb, Mississippi, and. Uh, he is noted for a certain style of music, uh, a lot of interesting lyrics himself. Uh, he uh, left Mississippi and uh, went to Chicago and, um, and studied uh, trombone. He studied violin uh, while working uh, in, a, in a factory and became part of the famous Ebenezer Baptist Church on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, he played with another outstanding band leader, Earl Hooker. And also with the pianist with a BB King, Otis Spann. So he has a lot of uh, contacts and background in music. And then he br- but he broke away uh, and started recording under his own name at uh, with Chess Records in Chicago. And uh, he uh, had his own style and did a lot of himself of touring around the country from place to place. And uh, he uh, he he wrote a very very famous. Uh, love song, as a matter of fact, which he did record himself, but gave it to uh, the studio, and it was re- recorded by a man and woman, husband-wife team, uh, Mickey and Sylvia, called "Love Is Strange." If, if oh, you yeah. do any type of researching, that was written by Bo Diddley, which is it? uncharacteristic. One might think. I remember that one from yeah. uh, "Dirty Dancing." Right? Yes, that's okay. that's the one. And uh, by the way. Uh, we don't know the origins of his name, Bo Diddley, his, his birth name was Elias Other Bates. But somehow or another, hmm. 
there were that name was floated around in Chicago, and it may have been the name of a comedian. But Leonard Chess of Chess Records said, "Okay, you're gonna come record record with us, and we're gonna give you this name." And Bo, Bo Diddley, Bo Diddley said, "Yes, that's a good name," <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. He kept it. <laughs> so we're gonna listen to the record Bo Diddley by Do by Bo Diddley. All hey, right. Bo Diddley, it, kind of a seven beat uh, tempo that he has there. Okay. That beat that he uh, has on that song is really reminiscent, I think, reflective of the bringing over some of the music from, from Africa. Hmm. Uh, I, I associate that particular um, beat to Central Africa, i.e. the Congo. Okay. And uh, so both somehow or another that survived uh, all through the many, many years and decades, centuries, uh, in my opinion, to get into Bo Diddley's music. Sure, yeah, that's... Uh yeah, I couldn't tell if it was four four or four three. I, I really couldn't tell, but yeah, that was that was a fun um, that was a fun beat. I like. Yeah, that. it's it's a beat that kind of gets into your head, and it's kind of hard to get out. Yeah. Was he playing the uh, the, the lead the guitar? guitar he put lead, lead guitar right. So do most of these most of these guys are playing the the lead instrument, right? That's correct. Okay, that's correct. I guess yeah. I should probably stop asking yeah. that question. So <laughs> the, the, basically, the way many of these artists get into music in the first place is that they begin with a guitar, mm. and as I said before, playing house parties in the south, going from place to place on the weekend, and somebody yeah. has a few people over playing guitar, they sing and they play guitar, so and that's how to start. So there's not really many uh, straight vocalists or no. that, not with many no, no, not not many just by himself exactly the one exception that we've discussed uh, and heard in this regard is Bobby Blue Bland Bobby Blue Bland may have played an instrument but basically he doesn't do so uh, when he's performing or when he is uh, recording hmm. okay he just stands up and sings everybody else that I'm aware of that we've talked about is, is doing something with a guitar or a harmonica okay cool a lot of talent yeah um, so I have one more for you here okay well, actually one or two more I, I think we might have skipped one at the beginning but we can double back for that one uh, this one is called juice or know the ledge mm -hmm. uh, kind of goes by both uh, this one came out in 1991 
Okay. Sip the juice. I got enough to go around. And the thought takes place uptown. I grew up on a sidewalk while on the street talking. They talk to all the young. I go to Queens for Queens to get the food from Brooklyn. They money in my hat and they never been took it. Go uptown to the Bronx and boogie down. Be strong on the island. The cool for lay around. Time to build my juice back up. Pop that up. Suckers get smacked up. Don't doubt the clout. They know what I'm about. Knock a niggas off. Knock a niggas out. Shaking them up. Waking them up. Breaking them up. Breaking them up. Okay, so what do you think he's referring to? Well, uh, I think he's referring to a, a, a lifestyle that uh, can lead to uh, a great deal of difficulty and violence and, and so forth. And he talks about uh, some of the people involved in, in gangsterism and talks about Elliot Ness in Chicago and, mm -hmm. of course, Al Capone himself and, and, and others who played uh, gangsters, Pacino and De Niro and... Black Gambino, what have you? So he's uh, he's uh, talking about uh, control and uh, violence. Power, power and for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, that's what juice means. Yeah. Um, but you hit it right on the you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it's he's kind of the whole thing. He's kind of going through saying, um, I know that I'm getting close to the edge here, and I'm playing a a, a dangerous game. Yeah. And at the end, you, I guess you see that he doesn't, he's not, yeah. does not, he's not victorious, but. Lay close to the edge. Yeah. And uh, get to know how far he was on the ledge, yeah. I like in that first one where he goes through and he, uh, he lists all the different parts of the New York area. Mm -hmm. Again, because he's, you know, he's Brooklyn, from there. And, Bronx, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Long Island and then Manhattan. Queens, yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. he, he lists yeah. them all. All, the, all of the boroughs. Then it goes to Chicago. Elliot Ness, are you, as you well know, uh, was domiciled in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that, uh, and yeah. he gets in the he covers the uh, international scene with Ayatollah Khomeini and of course Anwar Sadat as well, uh, and uh, talking about their control and their their uh, positions and and so forth. So it's. Uh, what do you think about that line? When I cook beef, the smoke will never clear. <laughs> The beef is another, uh, beef is a word for, you know, a conflict. So yeah. if you and I have beef, that means, yeah, this, yeah. Uh -huh. you know, yeah. I just think that's that's a clever way to put it. Yeah, this is, I agree, wholeheartedly. Yeah. So, again, covers a lot of topics and a lot of territory here. Yeah, yeah. And, and usually fast. Yes, a very, very fast pace. Yeah. yeah, if you don't, if you, if you're not paying attention. You miss it, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to miss a really, yeah. really cool line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Again, as I said before, it's remembering all the lines. If you're going to do a stand up and so forth, like what's in their mind and so. But it's it's a lot to remember here and make it rhyme and mm -hmm. do a, a stage presentation as you're doing on 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 a recording. It's uh, it's quite a gift in itself. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure just recording it. Um, 
you would have to take several takes and you know, yeah, I guess probably punch so. in and yeah, you know, yeah, that's yes, right. So. Yeah, yeah. Who do you have up next? Uh, next uh, is a gentleman by the name of Otis Rush. And that is his full name and birth name, and uh, he is a uh, a younger guy uh, from the, compared to ones we discussed before, and uh, he grew up not terribly far from. Uh, God's country, Tullahatchie. Uh, hmm. He is from, uh, grew up in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Let me just also add, as you probably know, Tullahatchie is a Choctaw Indian name. Mm -hmm. uh, when the settlers came to Tullahatchie, they bought the land from the Choctaw Indians. Some stayed around Mississippi. Some were there when you were visiting my my parents uh, there, but many moved to a reservation to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is just uh, a bit closer to Meridian on the East Coast. Uh, Otis Worth was born in Philadelphia, and uh, like so many guys, he went to Chicago early sure. in his uh, his uh, lifespan and signed with uh, a uh, record label, Cobra, and uh, Cobra, which was huh? Cobra, which, which was that name, huh? yeah, which was later bought by Chess, Chess Records, yes. And uh, interesting enough, I talked about the west side and the east and the south side. Otis Rush began to play on the west side alongside of the area of uh, Howlin' Wolf and developed his own style. And that was a style of blues called uh, the West Side Blues, mm -hmm. uh, like Mississippi Blues, the West Side Chicago Blues. And Otis Rush was part of that. Okay. And uh, he uh, recorded a number of great hits uh, that I dearly love. And we played one by another artist, I uh, Can't Quit You Baby, he recorded that back in 1956. Uh, but uh, before he died in 2018, 2016, Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel uh, proclaimed June 12th of each year as Otis Rush Day in Chicago. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so we're going to listen to one of his famous recordings uh, called Double Trouble, okay. Otis Rush from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. 
cool. That's always rushed with some outstanding guitar lyrics. Uh, blip, licks, <laughs> licks. <laughs> licks himself. He's a, he he is a he was a tremendous guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. What you mentioned, West Side Chicago blues. Yeah. Uh, what made the West Side Chicago blues? The West Side Chicago blues. Like, how is that different than any other kind of blues? Is there is there a certain feel or what? You know, what kind of ties it all together? Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't have a de definitive answer for you. I think uh, if we were to put it in in terms of um, uh, today's words, it was a little more forward-looking, had more, uh, let us say, soul. Some of the more soul aspects to it, uh, more. Uh, the, the kind of uh, thing that we ultimately merged into was the, the kind of a doo-wop, some of the doo-wop uh, lyrics you would find in, uh, in the, on, on the west side of, uh, of Chicago, whereas the south side, I think, was more, let us say, nitty-gritty mm. Delta, Mississippi. Uh, you, you, you could make a distinction between the west side, I think, and, and say, say Clarksdale, Mississippi, they they were they were they were different, but Chicago and, and Clarksdale were very very similar in in terms of uh, what they played, the things that they sang. I think was probably yeah. way to help to describe that. Yeah. Okay, so it's not so much the sound; it's the content. The content, gotcha. exactly so. Gotcha. And I think also the West Side was influenced a great deal back in those days about about the by the other people surrounding the community, Hispanics, for example. Mm -hmm were there and they I think have some some uh, influence on the content of what was said and how it was said in that region and maybe to a lesser degree uh, polls and uh, and checks as well where the south side was kind of isolated just blacks mm -hmm. people for the most part yeah yeah okay yeah. there's kind of a I mean you, you kind of end up uh, I guess early in, in in the 90s you found a little bit more um, of that in hip-hop you know you would find uh, the East Coast had a specific sound, uh, right. and then the South had a sound. You know, Texas had their own guys in Texas had their own sound, and obviously um, the guys on the West Coast had their own sound. So it was very much like a regional. Like you could you could turn on an album and say and have a pretty good guess yeah. at where in the United States it came from. That's mm -hmm. how how grouped up. And, and specific the different sounds were mm -hmm. in, in, in one in, in hip-hop alone in one right. genre. It's pretty yeah. cool, I think. Yeah. I, I'll also say a thing about Chicago because of the size of the city, it had the blues genre, but also I had a very, very strong uh, earlier development in the, the doo-wop sounds mm -hmm. like the, 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 uh, the, the Mighty Dales, for example, and uh, some other artists uh, in, in the area. Jerry Butler, uh, from Chicago there with that particular sound where Detroit was pr pretty much uh, just uh, kind of uh, soul and rhythm and blues. Chica yeah. Chicago was much more diverse and plus Chicago had a great thriving genre of jazz musicians in, this, in the city mm -hmm. recording as well as performing in, in the city at any one time. Yeah. Now did any of these did any of these musicians um, try their hand at any other style of music like nowadays it's not all it, it's it's not uncommon for a hip-hop artist to to jump on a, a a song with a let's say a pop act or or even a country act so there's a lot of crossover going on these days the only artist i can think of in that term 
in blues was probably B.B. King, who mm -hmm. did some things that were kind of borderline pop and uh, rock yeah. as opposed to just strict blues. And I think that came from his traveling uh, to Europe and to particularly to the U.K., where people uh, liked his music and he adopted some of the things that the Stones and other people were doing yeah. as well and incorporated that in, into his particular music. But yeah, he, I think he kind of emerged uh, beyond just blues itself. But I think he understood the blues was his background, his the genre for which people identified him and where, where you got paid for it. But he was able to do other types of, of music yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. And same thing with Ray Charles. Ray Charles began as a blues guy and he emerged really uh, uni universally yeah. as a kind of a singer of a ballast beyond just blues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right, so I, uh, do you have one more, or is that it for you? I think you got maybe Little Milton. Did we, not, did, we didn't do Little Milton? We did not do Little Milton. I've got one more here. And it's funny. Okay. It's funny. Yeah. These three, uh, the three them. songs that I've played, um, Follow the Leader, Lyrics of Fury, and Juice, they've all three of these songs have had... Um, titles of these songs in other songs that I've played today. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but okay. they mm -hmm. all kind of, and, and this microphone fiend is no different. All four of these, all four of these songs, song titles have been in uh, the lyrics yeah. today. So, okay. Here we go. Microphone fiend. Fiend, yeah. This is the right one. Do I have that one? No, we don't have Oh, we don't have it. Okay. If you want the lyrics, they're right here. I was a fiend, fiend, before I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones and ice. Came music orientated, so when hip-hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Cause I grabbed the mic and try to say, yes, y'all, they try to take it. And say that I'm too small. Cool. Cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet. Back to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes I had. One after the other one. Then I make another one. To this the opposite, then ask if the brother's done. I get a craving like I fiend for nicotine. But I don't need a cigarette. Know what I mean? I'm raging. Ripping up the staging. Don't it sound amazing? Cause every rhyme is made in thought of. Cause it's sort of an addiction. Hear how he wrapped it around? Mm -hmm. Rhymes overflowing. There it again. Fix. 
give me a stage and a mic and a mix and I'll put you in a mood or is it a state of unawareness beware it's the reanimator a maze to a microphone or lethal weapon or assassinator if the people ain't stepping you'll see a part of me that you never seen when I'm feeding for a microphone I'm the microphone fiend after 12 I'm worse than a gremlin feed me hip hop and I'll start sleeping the coolest is intense you're horrified but this ain't the cinemas of tales from the dark side by any means necessary this is what has to be done make way cause here I come my DJ cuts material microphone thing okay so yeah the the whole song is you know basically uh, his addiction to making music and yeah. um, you know he, he draws the similarity of being a like either a hypochondriac or mm -hmm. a drug addict. Grew up, yep. Fiending oh. for, you know. Yep. So I, I think it's clever, and I, it's awesome. Well, I like the this particular song. I like the theme because it was about passion. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what this demonstrates to me, with that kind of passion, this particular person is going to pursue that and do well at it. Sure. Because with that passion, it is not work. It is a hobby. It's something he likes to do, and he's going to do it in the, in, the, in, the, in the best possible way that that God has given him his him ability to do so. Mm -hmm. So, kind of like uh, I tell my students, if you think about a career, you think about what can you do, what thing do you do well, mm -hmm. and then ask you a question: Do you like doing that? Right. If you if you have something that you do very really well, you want to do it, then you get up every day and not go to a job. You go to your hobby. Yeah. That's really yeah. neat. Yeah. It's kind of the, the American dream, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you mentioned yes well the last time we, we got together, not yesterday, but the last uh, couple episodes ago, um, the several recurring themes in, in blues and um, there's several things that keep coming up in, in these songs that you know, drugs clearly and I was wondering, do you hear any references to drugs and whatnot in um, like abuse and, and use in blues at all. Yeah, depending on the artist and uh, that, that's across. Often it's it's about again alcohol in this regard. This regard being a having an addiction and uh, John Lee Hooker, as a matter of fact, we won't get a, get a chance to get to had a very famous recording called One, one Bourbon, bourbon one, one Scotch, scotch One Beer, <laughs> <coughs> and a lot of reference to abuse in that regard. Uh, yeah. Uh, that at the cup addiction, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I think that part of the reason you see so much of that, uh, or hear so much of that in hip hop, is because of the time frame. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, crack and heroin yeah. and all that stuff. Those they were coming up at the same time, so these guys were just rapping about what they see, and yeah. it happens yeah. to be, yeah. you know, people exactly. in alleys. Su suffering from drug yeah. addiction, that's what they write about. Right. My generation, Mississippi, for us, it was moonshine. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have much, uh, we had beer, but it was it was not the common thing. The, the, the most common thing was illegal moonshine mm -hmm. that people uh, uh, provided for recreation. And they would make it out of what, just corn or? Corn, corn liquor. Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people drank corn liquor Socially, many were not abusive. Mm -hmm. They'd have uh, a, a shot or two at the bar and go home and, and, and do okay. A few became alcoholics, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. but uh, many saw it as a, 
as a social uh, drink that, that people have. Uh, most people will keep, will keep a pint or gallon in the back room at home and so forth and share with their buddies as they came by. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did they ever have to, you know, hide it? Did, you know, would the police come to your house and say, hey, Policemen never showed up at people's houses. Then why'd they keep it in the back room, you know? It's well, that was for the, pre the preacher. Oh. <laughs> the pastor drops by. <laughs> you don't want to sit on the And table. Sister Mary, who comes by nosing about oh, what you're doing okay. and so yeah, forth. Yeah. But um, policemen in my small town and most of all small town understood bootlegging was a part of the economy. Yeah. They got a little money under the table to stay away. Mm -hmm. The only time they showed up was in case of violence. They would come and take somebody away. But but in terms of selling bootleg liquor in my little hometown, no, that did not. Uh, that was not a problem. Mm -hmm. and, and not not my own, only my town, but across the whole country, because as I said, bootlegging was a, a big industry. Yeah. Uh, in terms of jobs, uh, the bootleggers himself and the people who made it. Did, our, did anyone in our family bootleg? No, we didn't have any direct bootleggers that I'm, I'm aware of, uh, per se. We just knew we had friends who were uh, involved in it. But uh, but my parents and my grandparents and uncles and, and uh, were, were farmers. Hmm. That's been basically our, our background. And, so you guys uh, provided the raw material. We fought, provided case. the raw material. <laughs> The coin. It's kind of, it's kind of like uh, you know, you'd rather your neighbor own the pool. You don't. Have, you don't. You'd rather not have to own the pool and deal with all that maintenance. You just have that's, him own it. That's right. So, well, we didn't. I don't know of any bootleggers. Now, also, having said that, most people, including my father, made something called home brew. Home brew, which was a home beer, uh, and uh, because uh, all beer was illegal. And so, in addition to the the bootlegger, if you wanted to entertain your friends coming by, you go out and back and in a in a cool place, uh, maybe a refrigerator, what have you, get some uh, some uh, some uh, some good old brew that you made yourself. And each one was different. Some people were good, better at it than others. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. There was one person in our in our neighborhood, uh, not too far from where we lived, who was so good that they sold it as a commercial enterprise. Really? The home brew, yes. Wow. Cool. Who'd they sell that to? Uh, the same people who bought the, the, the corn liquor. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> when, when, yeah. So, yeah. Well, when you're good at something, you probably shouldn't do it for free, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so you've got one more, huh? I've got one more, and again, it's about physical dimensions. This is little Milton Campbell. Of course. Uh, from uh, Inverness, Mississippi. Uh, again, Delta of Mississippi, and uh, Lil Milton, unlike so many of the other artists that we talked about, for the most part, stayed in the South. He didn't go to Chicago. He went to Memphis, recorded uh, uh, in that location, mm -hmm. and uh, he also did a lot of traveling through the South, uh, through the Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and Arkansas, but uh, didn't stay, uh, didn't go to St. Louis or or uh, a Chicago to live, and uh, so he has a tremendous vo voice, and he himself played the guitar, okay. just like the many other ones we talked talked about. And he recorded a, a song that we just heard before by an, uh, we heard an artist, uh, Otis Rush. Otis Rush re re recorded this t song that we're going to play here, "I Can't Quit You, Baby," and made it perhaps more famous than. 
what we're going to listen to here about Little Milton. But Little Milton also was very famous, having recorded it uh, many years later than uh, than Otis Rush. I can't quit you, baby, but I've got to put you down for a little while. Is what mm. we're going to hear. Okay, you know, uh, I have heard this song before, perhaps not by Little Milton, but by another band called Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Here we go. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a long one. That's about a nine minute song. You can just cut. You can yeah. just go through. It's about a nine minute song. Um, yeah. But man, they got some. They got some chops. They can play. Uh, if yeah. you guys are into some good guitar playing, yeah, please check it out. Well, uh, do you have any thoughts about that last one, or? Uh, well, the, that um, particular song uh, was captured the sentiments of the. Relationship between uh, men and women that I talked about in the earlier 
hmm. uh, broadcast in in the sense of uh, difficulty of, of girlfriends and wives and separations and so forth and sometimes and this as uh, little Milton was saying uh, he he's in love with this lady he uh, he can't leave her for good but he's going to have to kind of separate for a short term to get himself together <laughs> and then he'll come back and uh, and try it all later on uh, all over again in essence but that's kind of the deal money ladies and jobs uh, and traveling is is the theme of Mina the Blues song that we've discussed thus far mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah well cool well, but I've, I've enjoyed uh, the session uh, talking about my favorite genre uh, again blues is part of my history my, my my heritage my background and so forth I grew up listening to it and I love it a lot as I do other genres as well but this one is personal to me because as I said I identified with the the artists and so many of the, the great blues artists were people that I heard personally around Mississippi uh, mm-hmm. again hearing Elmore James and B.B. King early in the game and uh, Bobby Blue Bland and little Junior Parker uh, they're just uh, part of uh, of my heritage. Yeah, and there was another guy that we didn't talk about, but also about a guy who was in the blues genre. Uh, his name was uh, Sam Myers, M Y E R S, same as ours, not related. But he mm-hmm. was a blind blues singer around Jackson, played at my high school and so forth. And uh, I grew up listening to him a lot. Okay. And, yeah. Well, once you pick out a couple, and maybe we'll uh, we'll do another couple of these. Okay. All right. I'll get one from Sam Myers. He had a number of recordings, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's. Um, we're going to say thanks to our sponsors yet again. Leah Myers Realtor, 314-277-2586. And 314-CityGear, 314citygear.com, for uh, some uh, to, to rep the 314. All right, y'all. Thanks for watching and listening. Thank you. Enjoy it. <laughs>